Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Friday the 13th edition. We start anew. Today we talk Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man wondering exactly how many boobs are in this movie, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello, Tom. You big dildo, eat your fucking slop. I fucking, I I unabashedly really like Mama in this movie. And I think what I like more than anything is the actor, because I know she's improvising and she's like George Carlin. (laughs) George Carlin could curse in a way where just the curse is funny. And she does the same thing in this movie. And I find it quite charming. Yeah, you've anticipated exactly what I was going to say. Out of interest, have you seen... Only Murders in the Building? I haven't started season three yet, but okay. yes. Well, you, you'll probably, you'll know what I'm, I'm talking, and, and I wanted to bring it up because there was a terrible hit piece on Martin Short in the media recently. I know. It really bothers me. It particularly irksome given that he is the main reason, the only kind of compelling reason to watch that show. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like why, would, why would you do a hit piece on him? Selena Gomez is right there. She sounds like she's having a stroke when she speaks. <laughs> but, we'll add her to the list of people you hate fine <laughs> um but in i think it's the, the very first season martin short's character is uh he's uh talking to steve martin about how his girlfriend is interfering in their preparations for the podcast mm-hmm. and he said she's how can i put this kindly she's being reverse helpful <laughs> <laughs> And that's how, and and what I that's exactly what I think about Mama. It's like there's a reverse poetry to the cursing, right? Yeah, in the film, it's almost kind of sublime. Oh, I think it. I think it reaches sublime. Yeah, almost. Less so for uh, Junior. Well, so they're the broadest comedy in this in this film, and they're always together. They're, they're, these two are in their own movie, right? It's a, they're in their own a, movie, a, totally, yes. A self-contained movie where they are the yes. killers. <laughs> Absolutely. It is a shock to me that of the potential suspects of this whodunit, <laughs> it didn't turn out to be one of them. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are <laughs> starting with a new beginning. We have Friday the 13th, a new beginning, a 1985 movie. Directed by porn man Danny Steinman. Yeah. So, High Rise, The Unseen, Savage Streets. <laughs> These are the only other, what, commercial kind of movies? I don't know. I don't know uh, what to call exploita- them. Exploitation slash porn, and I expect it's an Andor situation. Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well... Listen, we're going to get to it, but I have lots to say. There's First, let's start with 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think I think that might even feel generous to some people. 
Sure. No, I, I think that's still that's still all of these ratings are low. Mm -hmm. I guess relative to the others, it's about right. But this makes more sense than the others. It's still much higher. I mean, I mean to have to have part four only have like six yeah. percent more than this movie is is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, as derided as this movie is, as much as the fans did not like it and made their hatred known on a budget of $2.2 million, an opening weekend of $8 million, I'm sure that really helps. It's like that when you get the eight point or the $8 million right away before people know what they're seeing. Particularly important for this film. Yeah. Because, and, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, in the USA, in the world, uh, $21.9 million. So, we have again, a, yeah. you know, profitable. We have another Halloween parallel here. Oh? Because, well, like well, like Halloween Halloween 3 tried to go, oh, yeah, go, yeah, it, yeah. go it without Michael Myers. This movie's trying to go it without Jason. Right. And they're both, right. they were both similarly deceptive. Yes. In making it seem as if I would this say movie, this one much more, maybe yeah. less so. What? No. Well, it says a new beginning right in the, right in the title. What? Now who's being naive? Come on. That's <laughs> I can't believe you just said that with a straight face. It <laughs> says a new beginning. How is that different That's... from it saying the final chapter? We don't believe that. Why would we believe this? Um, <laughs> no, but you know the. Well, we'll we'll talk about well, it. Well, on we'll... top of that, in the opening credits, you get a different mask immediately. It's only until... That's telling you something, Tom. Well, I don't know if it is. I don't think there should be a mask there at all. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously not once you get to the end of the film. But this is a movie that only reveals it's not a Jason movie five minutes before the end. Yeah. Which I think beats our... Uh... <laughs> our standing record of uh, Omen for the Awakening, which I believe was eight minutes yeah. before the end of the movie. Before it yeah, revealed. I think so. Yeah, it was, and it, but it was that's an in, that's an inversion as well because that movie revealed it was a sequel, <laughs> not a reboot. Whereas this reveals it's a reboot, not a sequel. <laughs> Five minutes before the end of the movie. Where to begin? Well, let's begin with the title. As always, we have the uh, old school Paramount logo, and then we uh, we're walking to a grave in the in the cold in the in the cold rain, cold open. Well, I just want to say, like, even bef even just reading the title of the movie, mm -hmm. this title is amazing. It contradicts both itself and the title of the last movie <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> so the, we have a clunky continuation of the franchise before the movie even begins. Just in reading the title, you know something's up. <laughs> yeah, it begins in media rest with a synthesis of yeah. all the chase sequences in the series. There's a storm, it's nighttime, we're in the woods, there's flashlights, there's boots. It's uh, it's all the imagery <laughs> from the previous four from movies. From all the movies, yeah. large across the screen. And the movie wants you to think that we're going to continue with Jason as our killer. Mm -hmm. Then it wants you to think that we're going to pick up with Tommy as the killer and neither will be vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a deliberately misleading cold open. Well, based on what happens at the end of four, you're going to walk into five 
thinking one of two things are going to happen. Right. Either Jason gets resurrected mm-hmm. or Tommy becomes your killer. And this movie is going to throw, well, yeah, I'll say it. Like, it's throwing cold water on the Tommy aspect. Certainly Tommy as we knew him. Because we're going to have a fake-out. A big-ass fake-out is this cold open. Right. We're, well, we're t- yeah, we're explicit. Because we're, we're, told- we're going to see Corey Feldman, but he's going to, you know, the character of Tommy is going to wake up from a dream. Exactly. So we're, we're following the trajectory of Tommy as the new Jason, and there's potential for Jason himself to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. So, like you say, there's two options of how to continue the series, neither which will be done by this film, but we're going to steal one for the next one. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. The, pre- the pre-credit sequence is the film we want to see. Unfortunately, it's a nightmare and an alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> and suffice to say, we got grave, grave robbers. Yeah. I also love, by the way, well, I believe... That Danny Steinman says that this was filmed in the back of Corey Feldman's house. Yes. Corey Feldman says this is filmed in the back of his neighbor's house. But I love the idea whichever that Danny one it Steinman is. thinks he's been to Corey Feldman's house. <laughs> and Corey Feldman's like, no, don't let that fucking creep anywhere near my house. Ask one of the neighbors <laughs> if they'll do it. Oh, man. I'm still a child. I don't want to hang around with a man like that. I don't want him anywhere near me. And we, well, yes, yeah, so we have the older Tommy waking up well but let me say this too before we start i'll say that i think as a scene it works pretty well right up to the moment where tommy wakes up like yeah because you know you have some atmosphere you've got oh no it's uh, well it's it's replicated at the beginning of the next movie yeah right it's how the next movie begins so it clearly works well, but I think I think in moments we're going to be giving. It's possible we might give Danny Steinman some shit in this movie, but I'll stick up for him in the sense well, of like he he can create some yeah. shots that that are effective and work well. Well, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I, from that, yeah, from that point of view, I I'd, I'd agree. All right. <laughs> I wrote, uh oh, Tommy's old. Tommy's old, so obviously we got time. And we, then I wrote, we got timeline problems. Yeah, we caught up with the timeline, and now now we're uh, we we fucked <laughs> we fucked that up again. We fucked that up because now you know, like the the funniest part is that now we would have to be like we're in the nineties, two thousand and five. No, we're in the we're in the. Uh, we're in the nineties. Well, how old do you think he is? I guess you're right. It's maybe it's not that. It's but it's like I, somewhere between ninety eight and two thousand. No, it was so it was eighty. It was eighty four. You would think he's he's what twenty five years old? No, he's not supposed to be that. I know the actor clearly is, but he's not supposed to be that old. He's supposed to be late. Oh, how old is I he supposed, he's supposed to be? Seventeen. Teens, yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's so not ridiculous. quite that far. I'm but... not. I'm not questioning your. Ability to... Then he's in the nineties. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not questioning your ability to look at a person and say that is a twenty-five-year-old <laughs> man because that's exactly true. But I don't think in world he's supposed to be that old. All right, he's fine. treated as. But a... he's he's damn close to being able to watch Frasier on TV. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sense that that's where we are. No, on film, uh, which is good that we're still we're like in the country because. 
you know, it, yeah, it, right. if, we were in, if we were in a, like a city, <laughs> yeah. it'd be like the Jetsons. A metropolis, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the countryside could still, because the countryside's pretty much the way it was like 20 years ago, yeah. so. <laughs> We'd be seeing Top Gun posters on, <laughs> on billboards and shit. The other big problem is, I can't state this definitively enough. Older Tommy, go, go ahead. Older Tommy looks nothing like Corey Feldman. No, <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't help that Corey Feldman's in the film, and yeah, so it's right. supposed to be a point of comparison. It also doesn't help that Corey Feldman, as a grown-up, looks like a tall Corey Feldman. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> he has not changed at all. He's not. He's he's just longer. Yeah, but barely. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, man. so th- there's a few there's t- there's a few timeline ob- obstacles here, uh, and then we're straight into uh, drivers reading porn. Mm-hmm. A director from a porn background already mining the opportunities for sure. nudity on screen, even if it's only in, in printed form. <laughs> and this is the so we've and this is where we realize oh we've taken the we've taken the third option <laughs> out of the two right. Out of the two we, options yes. we had, we've taken the third option, <laughs> which is simply we pick up <laughs> Tommy with post-traumatic stress disorder at an older age, and no Jason, and no Jason. So he's not—he's not a serial. They've killer. been given a choice. Would you like A or B? I'll take three, yeah. please. It's the—it's the sort of like uh, you know, it's the um, can I have a Coke? Is Pepsi okay? <laughs> Yes. Well, that's not one of the <laughs> options, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> my option is Pepsi or is Coke or nothing. Yeah, right. Or I, my throat goes dry. <laughs> and then I can't remember. <laughs> my notes are my, my notes are my only record of what how the movie actually opens because he arrives at the the mental institution and then we go into the titles that doesn't seem right is yes. that what happens that, that's that's can't believe you said that because i was looking at my notes and i said tommy wakes up there's timeline problems followed by we're still blowing up shit credits wow and i thought is that right? It, well, we both we've both written it down. We we see him wake up and then we go to credits. Yeah, that's yeah. It must be. Okay, that must be what happened. So I I mean you've you've said that it's a different it's a different mask. It's still a hockey mask though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's promising the return. Blue of marks instead of red marks. That's promising the return. Blue of marks instead of red marks. So you think that the. We could both keep saying the same thing over and over, but I'm saying it's a different mask, and that I, is a no, visual a clue that mask, something else is going on. But it's still a hockey mask, which is is iconic of Jason. So you're telling the audience that Jason's going to be in the movie, <laughs> unless <laughs> unless you think it's a coded message where I, we're having I the think Jason I would mask have said go it. onto the audience face it means anyone I think could I be would Jason, have said it. even you. <laughs> I think exactly. I think I would have said it like this: the movie is promising that. A type of Jason yeah. is in the movie. So again, like as with Halloween three, the problem is not content; it's marketing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in, 
Now, in the titles, something else I noticed is a, a special appearance by Corey Feldman, which reminded me that this is the first Friday sequel not to feature footage from the last film. Yeah, The closest exactly, we right. get are audio clips that not Corey Feldman... that's a big departure from... Yeah, a huge departure. Not Corey Feldman hears clips from the previous movies in his head sometimes, but that's it. Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a stylist, you know, obviously it's a new beginning. Uh, I always feel I, I yes. feel such a politician phrase, isn't it? That's <laughs> it. Really is. You know, yes. politicians just been elected. It's like it's like it's a new. It, well, if you'll notice, I did call it a new beginning. <laughs> it's a new. Yeah. I, Today, I, I is find a it new difficult beginning. to believe that people thought that Jason would be there when I explicitly told you something new was beginning. Right. <laughs> that's a very po- yeah, politician it, it answer, is, isn't it? That's that's the clunkiness of the title. Is is the is is the yeah. cinematic equivalent of a politician answer? Absolutely. Put that on the poster, uh, and then then we we arrive at we arrive at Pinehurst. So it's a halfway house. Mm, I mean, you keep calling no, it. It's... Yes, it is. It is. Uh, well, <laughs> They, so sure. they specifically, well, maybe not in the movie, but they specifically refer to it as a halfway house in the Crystal Lake memories. But halfway from what to what? Like he had been released from the loony bin. There's lots of halfway houses. You know what a halfway house is. Don't. What's the matter with you? So you're not allowed to exactly go out in public on your own. <laughs> right. But you don't have to be in the actual mental institution. We're going to guide you into life outside in the halfway house. Well, that's not... You're going to have to do chores. No one in that that camp is ready to transition back into the real world. No, I agree with you completely. So this this movie is the total opposite of the last movie. The last movie said, let's introduce you to characters like teens that that are quirky, fun, Mm -hmm. nice, cool... You're going to like them, and then you're going to hate to see them die. This movie, I think because of one Danny Steinman and his background, is like, let me introduce you to some crazies, and most of them you're going to be happy to see die. Yeah, except that they also want what they got from having a camp full of teenagers at the same time. So that's why why this halfway house is co-ed, which wouldn't, wouldn't happen. And two of them are nymphomaniacs, so right. we're, we're trying to have we're trying to have our cake and eat it. We're trying to do, <laughs> we're trying to get all the traditional pleasures of a Friday the Thirteenth demographic. Sure. But also, this be a I'll use the term halfway house. I, I'm not I'm not sold on this yet. <laughs> I thought I really thought the way it's positioned in the movie is that this is an alternative to a to an institution that like this is a, this I mean, is it, a it liberal is, experiment like, to how you could do mental health care there's no sense that anyone yeah. is, is going is leaving this place to function in the real world. but that's the thing they could leave this place and people do some kids go to fuck they get caught by mama yeah, but and, they're not and supposed junior to, they're not supposed they're, to be doing that that's them escaping that's not yeah, I know, but you know, the difference between an institution and a halfway house is you are afforded trust. Right. These kids are breaking it all the time because they're terrible monsters, according to the movie, I, I think. I agree. But yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I some of these kids are called names I wouldn't call my worst enemy. Uh, so okay, well, we'll just leave that leave that debate behind. <laughs> we have to agree uh, to disagree, now, but, perhaps. But what is what is uh, objectively true is that Pinehurst is run by, uh, and I'll borrow the phrase from Indiana Jones Minute, Lifetime Movie, lifetime movie Indiana Jones. <laughs> also known as Fedora. Well, Fedora. Which is appropriate I, uh... for this movie that feels like a fan fiction version of Friday the 13th, that we have like a fan fiction <laughs> Indiana Jones Well, I, I, it's funny because I, I really actually quite like the actor, and I remember, I remember him from Friday the Thirteenth, uh, not from this, but from uh, Indiana Jones. Sure. But I also more primarily remember him from An Innocent Man. Okay. With uh, Tom Selleck, he plays a dirty cop. I feel like that that movie's come up a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't quite know why. Because it's good, I tell you, good. And what what version what version of a franchise character does he play in that? <laughs> in that he's well, he's he's just your basic dirty cop. Oh, okay. But he's Lieutenant Eckhart. Yes, okay. Yeah, he's got he's he's partnered with David Rash. Who's who's David Rash? What would you know? He's he's a. Uh, I know him. <laughs> you you. God damn it. <laughs> uh, he he's. Is forty eight hours. Whoa. Sh- stakeout. No no no. But he's in. Um, wait. A uh, succession. Who's he playing succession? He, he's the blonde, tall lawyer, in succession. Oh, I love that guy. Yes. He's in. Um, some of Armando Iannucci's movies. He's in in the Loop and um, I believe Veep as well. He's in Veep. He's a. Uh, I think it's called Sledgehammer. It's kind of a dirty, hairy comedy ripoff TV show. Oh, that sounds great. He's excellent. I love yeah. him. Yeah, and he's a really good actor. So, <laughs> so you're yeah, trying to you make know, the argument up. that this guy is better than I'm getting credit for by mentioning a different actor and how good he is. <laughs> I'm saying he can hold his weight with David Rash. Yes. And River Phoenix. And River Phoenix. And uh, not Sean Connery. <laughs> right. So and anyway, I mean, they, they, they have their initial the intake interview. Mm-hmm. There's a Godzilla poster in the wall. There's characters appeared yes. in at least two of the movies so far. So there's someone clearly on set who keeps putting in these references to Godzilla. <laughs> Speaking of stuff that I like, want to stay positive where we can. I like what they said up here that Tommy's recovery has been hampered by the drugs he's been given. Mm-hmm. And I like the use of his uh, file as, um, as a way to do exposition. Well, I'm glad you said that instead of the character saying anytime doll and then sticking out his tongue like he's going to lick a pussy. Yes, that is... Uh, <laughs> that's the fly in the ointment of that particular If scene. that's the part you said you liked, I'd be worried. <laughs> uh, we get a great imbass here. Mother and sister in the picture frame. Yeah. He's l- looking at the... Di- a new Got a new cast <laughs> with a different actor playing Tommy, but he's looking at uh, legacy actors through the, via the medium of photographs. 
as, uh, yeah, as the, it is a sequel. It is a sequel, after all. As a, as sequels dictate. Uh, and this is about where we get the um, introduction of Reggie the Reckless, I think. Reggie, yeah. Because yeah. uh, he's going to do the fake spider bit. That's right, the rubber spider. So there's another prankster in our, in, in our midst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you think about Re Reggie? I mean, you know, it's funny because every time I see Reggie, I think to myself, I recognize that kid. I remember him from stuff. Give me a break. Probably. <laughs> Hunter. Definitely different strokes. Oh, yeah. No, I remember that from the document from Crystal Lake Memories as well. Yeah, he was a... Uh, yeah. Do you know what was really funny was? Uh, during <laughs> during the watching the movie, I was like, I was like, they're really trying to cash it on the sort of the success of different strokes. And then watch Catch Crystal Lake. Very funny. He was in that episode. Of he was actually in it's it. It's not as uh, it's not as theoretical as it once seemed. That's good. I also, well, I also. What do you think about it? Oh yeah, you were answering my question, so go ahead. I think he's one of those kind of characters that you probably either love or hate. We talked about but... this. That meat can mean only one thing: <laughs> that you despise them. No. No, I don't. Either. I actually no. I like I him. think he's actually quite winning in the role. So I have so it's pros and cons. Pro. I wish they'd put him in something other than all red sweats, but you know, I'm gonna. <laughs> so. But go ahead. You well, had no, a thought. I, like a, a pros and cons, but the the pros are are all Reggie, and then the cons are all everything around Reggie. So mm -hmm. yeah, pros. I like the fact that this kid could be white or could be black, and they went with a black actor. Mm -hmm. There's no reason this kid couldn't be a white kid. Yeah, they cast a black actor. Sure, great. That is that's excellent. I like that there's a a relationship that shows parental affection between two African American characters. Absolutely. Still a rarity in media. Up until the early 2000s, there was like three or four examples of it in American media. One of them being Star <laughs> Trek Deep Space Nine. So we had to imagine a future where that was possible. <laughs> yeah, the other one was The Cosby Show, and we know how that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he have to be a gynecologist? God damn it. And the cons... The fact that it's, his, it's his, the relationship, the parental affection is with his granddad, so... They're, yeah. they're they're sort of playing to the although I'm the archetype of like, the absent black father, so fuck that. Yeah, right. But I'm also a little bit worried about his brother, grandfather in world, letting Reggie be in this yeah. environment. Yeah, no, I mean that's <laughs> yeah, I, it's troublesome. I want to believe it's all well-meaning, and, and we then, haven't even gotten to his brother yet. And then his brother and the girlfriend are just you know they're. they're they're pure stereotypes. So, you know, if it, if you're just thinking about Reggie and not the baggage that comes with him, yeah, I think it right. works. I think I think there's because a genuine I think we're, attempt to make him the new Tommy as well. And I was gonna say we were building on what the last movie did by adding a child finally into the narrative of the story. Mm -hmm. And when you have a kid you like and put them in jeopardy, mm -hmm. you raise the stakes in a way that I think can be interesting and you know be scary for an audience and that's what you want out of a horror movie right yeah yeah and i think that's an area of continuity right that's the mm -hmm. not not a beginning but an an overlap <laughs>
Yeah. The next overlap. <laughs> um, and the nymphomaniacs are introduced in the back of a police car. Correct. Mom and son threaten everyone. And this, this, this movie's not exactly kind to the differently abled. No. They were screwing their heads off, Matt. Yeah. And of course, you know, you're like, okay, so we have a couple of nymphomaniacs because it's this Friday the 13th movie and this is how we're going to get the sex in the movie. Don't worry, there'll be plenty. <laughs> we're not going to stop there, yeah. But that that's, you know, because... This is a Danny Steinman film. But that's it, if you're setting it in a, in a, a halfway house for troubled, troubled youth... Look at how easily it comes to you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- I love that that's my that's my upgrade from mental institution. <laughs> so but you have to work quite hard to make that story to to have young people having sex <laughs> in and around that story. So it's like you have to make yeah, a choice right. for them to be coed. You have to make a choice for them to be for there to be nymphomaniacs amongst the uh, <laughs> afflicted. They have, they have to leave the premises and go find fuck spaces. And their entrance precipitates the entrance of Ethel and her son. And again, the stereotypes are back, right? Uh, that's the, the, when they, that's what I, they're kind of the, the, the hillbillies. Yeah. So after a movie off, we go back to everyone conforming to a type rather than an individual sure. uh, identification. <laughs> but again, another another kind of continuity with the with the the teenagers of previous movies. Again, it's the permissiveness of the of of the young people that brings the killer to them. So it's the yeah. patients breaking the honor system. That yeah, right. Them. So it's about the idea that that if you know if uh, Fedora had been a had, had quack, cracked the rip a little more. <laughs> these kids wouldn't have been killed. You do. And you do have the sense. It's like, you know, it's funny because Tommy shows up and Matt's trying to explain, Hey, listen, we're all super nice here. We shouldn't be, but we are. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, you have it. You have the sense that Matt might be just a little too lenient with the kids. And then a little more discipline needs to be enforced. And yet you also at times watch him put his forearm against Tommy's neck. Granted, Tommy was attacking someone at the moment, but... Oh. <laughs> Pinehurst is the worst place in the world. Yes. Oh, dear. Oh. And then we, we're introduced... So in short succession, we're introduced to all these characters like it's a sitcom. Joey is the... Uh, I would say... Like neurodivergent uh, I guess is the word that you'd use today okay <laughs> he's got all the ugly fat kid stereotypes yeah but he's <laughs> but he also gets the stereotypes of mental illness for free <laughs> of course yes and then on, on top of it you know he's actually the character that this whole story <laughs> rests yeah. at fulcrum on you this know? scene is the most important in the movie but we have no idea in the movie, that's exactly. the until the very yeah, end that's... but it's it's sort of it, it does that really uncomfortable thing that Texas Chainsaw Massacre does where, and you alluded to this at the beginning of this episode it makes mm-hmm. you hate the disabled guys so much yeah when they, that, that you're almost willing, cheering on their their kid, because he's he's depict 
you know, none of the range of his behavior is depicted. It's just how annoying he is to other people. Mm -hmm. That's all they want to get across because they want you to be in the position of the guy who just flips and puts an axe in his back. Right. And that's, and that's all awful. This is all. It's all terrible. (laughs) When you, when they peel back the sheet, you see characters alike. You see how many swipes were taken into his back? Yeah. How many cuts? And it's uh And I wonder you, how much you it... want, where was Matt's forearm then? <laughs> well, I, and I also wonder whether this is a way of like this is the filmmakers sort of saying, "Who needs Jason? You've got, <laughs> right. you got these yeah. patients, yes, exactly. these, these uh We've got wackos. Said, Don't worry about got it. These nuts <laughs> who are going to turn to axe murder at the drop of a hat." Yeah. So uh, and I want you know the new begin is the new beginning going to be that the victims are now the perpetrators that anyone can kill at any time. It's not just see I I, <laughs> I thought the new beginning should have been that this facility would close immediately upon an axe death. Yeah, the experiment failed. <laughs> but a, apparently, apparently, it's just the experiment a failed. bad day. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's it's done. It's done. So yeah, it really is. Uh, um, there's no coming. There's really no coming back from that. Well, we're gonna we're gonna meet some paramedics, and then for some reason the T birds are gonna show up. Right. Why don't we Why don't Why don't we take a break sure. and come back? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll be right back, everyone. to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. We're back once again. Tom and I are here discussing Friday the 13th. A New Beginning, the 1985 sequel, directed by Danny Steinman, a man for a pension for uh, the not-so-nice people of the world, I'll say. Yeah, his uh, his favorite subject is about to come up in a line of dialogue when the medic says, bunch of pussies. So, yeah, I was going to say that that's my next note, and... I, I wrote down psychotic paramedic shows up. <laughs> You're absolutely right to make the connection between the beginning of the of the last movie, part four, mm-hmm. 
and the and the um the use of medics in this movie but we get the same cynicism but now it's just broader and worse and worse and meaner and you know yeah like if i was gonna pick one of those two medics to be the psychotic killer of this movie it'd be that guy well yeah that's more on brand and when you when you're rewatching this after you know what's gonna happen you notice things like they talk about how uh joey was an orphan you're like that's an unusual thing to say to talk about (laughs) and and it's sort of like well it's gonna pay off quicker than you expected yeah and as we said no we've no reason to know this at the time but this is the most important scene in the Mm -hmm. in the movie it's not clear where the movie's going at this point it just see right now it just seems like there's a murder virus spreading in the (laughs) in the pinehurst and then the sort of we get uh, you've referred to this in, I think in our ranking episode with the 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 when they they just spend just a little too much time looking at the face of the of one of the ambulance men yeah who will later turn out yes. to be the the killer and it's kind of caught right between instant forgettability and melodrama right it's it it just seems to be, a... but also pitched at a level where you don't know if you're watching something important or if the director right. just doesn't know what they're doing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's not that you instantly forget what happened; you kind of want to forget it. Yeah, right. You don't want to think about it again. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make that choice as a viewer to go. Well, that was straight. That was fucking. That was weird. odd. Let's move on to something else. Yes. I don't want to have to think about what that means. Well, so yeah, it's it's lose lose lose. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the as far as the who done it element of this is totally. Yeah. No, you, 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 luckily, you think to yourself, well, now I have hoodlums that I can deal with, and they're having car trouble. Let me figure out who, why Danny Scheinman is all of a sudden in the nineteen fifties. Well, well, who's the, so? Oh yeah, it's it's one of the guys in this scene with the T-Birds who says, as far as I'm concerned, all those loonies should be killed off one by one. Yeah. He's the top of my suspect list so far. <laughs> like I said, not, not a lot of kindness in this film for people struggling with mental health issues or who are differently abled. Yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> uh, Again, I don't remember what this is in reference to. Is there a rabbit in this scene as well? Or is there a rabbit coming up? I think I'm so replete in all of these movies. You have, you know, you have that Halloween two cat scare moment. Mm -hmm. And these sequels have lots of cats. And then there's a rabbit in this. There's one in this movie. Yeah, there's a cat in this movie as well. So they double down. Oh, so it's like the the rat instead of doing a. A real scare you have an animal being thrown on screen yeah okay yeah got it that's that's yeah but we've had a rabbit there's a rabbit in part three as well mm-hmm. so again we get the same kinds of animals <laughs> as we've seen before i i gotta say i think the flare in the mouth is a good kill yeah it's i think we talked about that some, there are people that go to these movies just for the kills right and you're looking for the next this is a fun... good one for that innovative kills and the idea that a flare in the mouth had never been thought of before i give all credit because that's that's pretty fucking terrible 
I don't yeah. think the prosthetic on the head looks quite as good as some of the work we see in yeah. in this movie and and with Tom Savini. Uh, in I don't earlier think we films, saw but... all of all of what they filmed either. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, it, it the, again and the the counterpoint to the oh well, this you know the censors cut the cut the real meat out of the scene is there's something about that uh, that abrupt cut that comes from taking a piece of the sequence out that is in itself quite terrifying. Yeah, right. Like when you quickly cut away from it and it just goes into another scene, like obviously that's a byproduct of taking out what you actually filmed, but it creates a new language of its own. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you that still speaks to the horror of what you're seeing. You, you get the initial horror of it, but you get to build it out in your mind a little bit more when they cut quickly. Sure. You know, the the idea, I don't know if this is a metaphor, but the idea of creating a smoke screen, so, <laughs> around this this unseen killer. I, yeah, it's hard, to, I'd, 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 I'd love to know what people thought was going on. Because <laughs> I'm just reading it through the ending. But... but, you know, the thing about this movie, too, is there's little moments of, of miscues to me. You know, one hood leaves and then comes back, and the other guy is lying on the engine of the car mm -hmm. and he doesn't think to himself that's odd he just gets in, he gets in the front seat yes. and it's ready to start the car yeah you know? <laughs> that's true that's really true and uh, so uh, then we go the morning after with the there's like a break an awkward breakfast seat well i think right before uh, that doesn't tommy okay. take a crazy pill and then immediately see jason out the window um, and it's funny because we've talked about other movies borrowing from this yes, series, right. mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that moment reminded me almost exactly of the third of Halloween Ends. Oh, when who who's looking out the window? Maybe I think it's the guy, the the character mm. that's becoming Jason, looks out the window, and there he is down there, kind I of a thing. Placed his name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's just, you know, it's I, I don't know if it's a direct homage, but it's just funny that even this that is well, thought of as one of the worst in the series, people might still be borrowing from it. Well, it's a feedback loop as well, because those moments are based on the appearances of Michael Myers in mm -hmm. Halloween, the original Halloween. Yeah. Not necessarily this one, but the next one where he appears in the yard is... Yeah, I guess for some, maybe it's the angle. I mean, obviously, because mm -hmm. it's not covered up. He's just like in the street. And the first movie, Michael Myers is kind of behind that clothesline that Jamie yeah. Lee is looking out at. But this felt very much like that Halloween ends moment. Yeah, I, I, I'd i buy that. But I also Absolutely. think it's kind of funny that he immediately sees the vision after taking his pill. It's like, man, you should have popped that thing a half hour ago. You would have been fine. But is that? Is it, doesn't that earlier line of dialogue suggest it's the pills that are making him crazy? Yeah, 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 maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> far be it from me <laughs> to defend this movie's. Logic, I think the but... movie's a little confused on that part, but yeah. I also, that's not how medication works, but yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> it's supposed to help. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, no, it should. It should he should become a zo <laughs> poor choice of words. He should become more subdued, not yeah. more crazy. But he's yeah, he's 
you know, he he flips out and starts beating on Eddie. Mm-hmm. I said he I said he Jim Carter's somebody's dick. <laughs> so now there's like at least two violent offenders. Yeah, right. So th- this is the, like the, it's it, the movie wants you to think that this is a place for people who have behavioral issues. <laughs> but it's people who will turn to violence at the drop of a hat. Yeah. It's not a safe place for any of these people to be. I mean, it's not even a safe place to make a mistake. No. The poor kid who died by axe murder, somebody set a place for him because they're just used to setting the table and yeah. the whole fucking room goes apeshit on her. Yeah. I just thought, yes. fuck. <laughs> so, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're yep. right. Ex- You're like right, a, ex- but... The experiment is failing. <laughs> it's time to withdraw funding. No more funds. Yes, exactly. And... um. The next scene I have is is another paramedic scene. They're, oh, really? Uh, I had my next oh, scene as mom uh, relishing killing. Bill. Oh yeah, she's 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 a chicken killing a chicken chicken serial yeah. killer. She's a chi- <laughs> she's killing the 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 uh, the chicken on the front of the cornflakes. Yeah, to, but I think it's also the moment box. she calls her son a dildo, and that's yeah, that's it. It's really dildo funny. You fucking slop. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they're having fun in their own little movie. And I, I also, because that, you know, you're going to get another, it's funny because you get this red herring of a guy who you think, oh, well, he's clearly the killer, right? Oh, the drifter? The drifter. Who I think is Danny Simon. Let me check that out. Carry on talking. So, I mean, for one, it's another funny line from Mama because she says, who the fuck are you? What the fuck do you want? <laughs> And he just is a sheepish man who's down on his luck, and I'll do anything. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't stay sheepish for a meal. No, you're right. Yeah, he gets him gets himself some uh, child sex. He's willing to clean out the shit house, the chicken shit house, for just for some food. Right. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know. Again, that's so. Is that what we're supposed to think that that he's that the person? I think I, I don't think you. You I think they're trying to introduce after the murder. Who is then your suspect? Oh, I, I think, think this again, movie thinks like, you can. Well, I know this movie. That's the problem. <laughs> but in Who Done It, you know, in Who Done It Land, right? There has to be an established list of suspects before the movie before the, mur- the, the, the murder, murder happens. But I guess in the context of this movie, why couldn't it be this guy who's then introduced after the murders begin? But the movie is also going to disregard that because he'll be dead 20 minutes later. Yeah. He's not going to be um, around long. But we get another one of those weird why are we spending so much time on, on Roy scenes coming up with the paramedics because they, he he's right. taking away the body of the people he killed last the night before. Wait. Oh! Yes, yes, yes. Roy You're the right. Paramedic. The, the, the I, I understand. I understand you not remembering who Roy is. No, I remember um, who Roy was. I was trying to remember who died. It's the T birds, yeah, right? It's the T birds. Yeah. Okay. And it, this scene is notable because one of the police officers says, "No, Roy, it's okay." So it's like mm-hmm. again, there's no compelling reason to give him a name or screen time, right? Unless he's the killer. Yes. But for some reason. Your brain can't put that together in the moment. <laughs> your, your, your brain thinks uh, they're giving an awful lot of play to this guy. Yeah. And then you immediately think, disregard, disregard, disregard. Get this, to the story. Yeah. It's kind of like he's sort of poochy. 
Yeah. Right? It's, 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 a char- it's like a character that the film's trying to make happen. Yes, right. Like, the director thinks, this this guy's Stop. the focal point of the movie. Stop. <laughs> Stop trying to make Roy happen. Exactly. Stop Straight trying to out Roy of Mean happen. Girls. It, do- it doesn't help that you are, Roy you... is the name of the... Of of the human yeah, it version doesn't. of Poochie from that episode. <laughs> yeah, that goes to live with right. the Simpsons. The kind of cousin Oliver. Hey, um, man. He's, yeah. he's always... Yeah, yeah, hi, Roy. <laughs> I think we're at uh, the date and showtime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you so, know, I like... what a revelation to Ethel, me. <laughs> as, with Ethel, as with Ethel and her son... Yes. I think these guys are kind of playing it to the hills, but there's a life behind their performances that yeah. is quite enjoyable to watch. I think they're both fairly natural. I think it's funny that... What's the other character's name? What's the asshole's name? Uh, he. I've got him down as the orderly. I don't know what his actual name is. Okay. But and I think... I feel that will suffice. You know, they're kind of they're kind of giving him... What's, what's the asshole's name in Halloween 2? Uh, pass. <laughs> so at any rate, Na- names and horror movies don't mix. <laughs> we we have we have two characters of like minds, but the guy from Halloween too, he is genuinely a pretty handsome man. This guy, mm-hmm. not so much. No. No, <laughs> they're so much, they're yeah. giving him that With level. The best will in the world. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be uh, pulling a woman that um, that beautiful. Absolutely not. Belongs nowhere near her. <laughs> but she's a little kooky herself. She is. So she, she introduces her own tits to herself in the mirror. <laughs> what a revelation! Because I hadn't gotten that far in the Crystal Lake memories yet. And I can't remember what we were talking about, but I know we were talking about weird choices or something like that. And I said, I had started Mm -hmm. to say, well, I got one that I'm sure I've never heard of a woman getting ready for a date by practicing (laughs) surprising them with their tits. And then to hear you Mm -hmm. say, oh, that was her idea. The actor's idea. (laughs) She went to, she went to Danny Steinman with it. And he said, oh, well, I fucking of course he said I love that idea, yeah. and the next thing you know, you've got uh, this but, this woman flashing her tits while saying "surprise" in the mirror. I guess it's not so much of a prize because he created the milieu in which uh, she thought she could make that suggestion. True, <laughs> absolutely true. I mean, you know, tits, gratuitous tits is nothing new in this franchise. I wrote down it's, it's probably I pro, I pro, I wrote down it's probably the most gratuitous boob boobs in film history. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's again like sex and drugs is the you know the siren song. Of, mm-hmm. Well, of not in this case not Jason, but whoever the the killer is pretending to be Jason. Well, you know you're in a because because he's coking up in the car. He's coking well. up in the car, the car. But you always know when you're in a little bit clunkier of a film, when they're gonna mm-hmm. waste, you know, mm-hmm. too much narrative film strip on him mm-hmm. doing that, so they mm-hmm. have it covered by him just talking to himself yeah. as he's That's doing true. the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> they're both talking to themselves they are yeah like why can't they be together they're, in the scene I, to I, each other? I retract my previous statement they're perfect for each other 
They are very perfect to each other. That if you actually saw them go on their date, they would just be talking to themselves in the same room right. as each other. Although they they do show some restraint. She only perfumes her tits this time. Mm-hmm. Not, not her really vagina. To, they were really trying to up the ante for part two. She would like <laughs> stick the spray bottle inside her or yeah. something. And this is the cat. Uh, cat scare, right? Yes. And now... Having owned a cat, and having seen them jump from from high places, mm-hmm. as well established, cats pretty much always land on their feet. The only way that the cat could land face first, the way it does here, is someone threw that cat right. into the into the yes. Shop. So that was a thrown cat. <laughs> That's a band name. And then the as if the scene isn't weird enough. It, it fades to Tommy looking crazily at chickens. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get the boldest theft of anything from Halloween, I think, when he sees Jason in the yard from the window. Yeah. Kind of just standing there. That's the one I'm thinking of, too. Oh, I that's guess what? that's actually the one I'm thinking of. I think the first time he sees him, it's in the mirror, oh, yeah. isn't it? That happens yeah. at this point, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's seeing Jason all the time. Right. But what's funny is whenever he sees him, he sees him with the right mask on. So we have the red on the mask. We go back mm. to the right mask as opposed to the wrong mask that we see as as this Jason chases everybody around. I'd like one of them to turn around and say, are you Jason? Are you Jason? (laughs) If you're Jason, I'll keep running. But if you're not, I'm going to stop right here. And speaking of Halloween, we're spending far more time with the police than we ever have before. Oh, it's like Jaws in here. We're going to get the mayor in the fucking (laughs) office. And this is where it is revealed. (laughs) Unwisely. He's been cremated. Yes. That's going to come back to haunt them. It's set up in the movie in a way that we don't believe it to be true because it's immediately a challenge. It's like, how can you say that for sure? You don't know. You didn't burn yeah. it. So we go, oh, Jason might still be alive. Then the end of the movie says, okay, he isn't alive. Someone's going out using him. So he must have been cremated. Smoke screen. <laughs> and then the next film retcons it again. Yeah. Because <laughs> in the next film, <laughs> he has to come back from the dead. So... We 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 actually we go back to square one in terms of what we believe about Jason. Absolutely, being and that's it's a Mandela effect of the line where they kind of base in six where they basically spoke to the fact that he wasn't cremated, <laughs> but it isn't in there. This is the only reference to to it. Correct. So all right. we've got is is that cop going, yeah, but if you didn't see it with your own eyes, how, how do you know, you know for sure? That's all we have to latch onto. <laughs> With grim death, we'll hold on to that. <laughs> My next note is about uh, an old man watching two young yep, kids. Me but... too. So this is the drift. But I also, I also lips. wrote, I feel like we as the audience are implicated in this, uh, in the nastiness of what's happening. We're implicated in the nastiness for sure. Also, how you know you're dealing with a porn director. We used to have nudity from select angles mm-hmm. only. Now we've got coverage from every yeah. panel right. position. Wide, close, yes. medium. If you, if you, again, if you like drew a picture of what this looked like on set, it would be like nine. I cameras. would, I, 
in a circle. I swear to God that I would think Danny Steinman was friends with Donald Trump because in the behind the scenes in the Crystal Lake memories, you hear other people mm. talk about the uncomfortableness of this being filmed because mm. the actor was being told, come on, go, grab her tits, grab her pussy, oh, fuck her, yeah. fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like a and blueprint was... for Donald. Absolutely. And Frank Mancuso Jr. is just like, I wasn't yeah. there that day. <laughs> the day I was there, he was perfectly. And the editor and other people are like, well, what do, what do we do right now? He's like, no, I don't know. Just <laughs> hopefully it'll end soon. But the, 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 the kill that results from this, I think is rather good. The tourniquet. I kill. think, I also think the hedge clipper one is fantastic. Sure. There's a lot of innovative murder methods going on. Because you, and that's not to be on, at. on the woman, you get the, you know, normally I think a horror movie would get the plunge of the hedge clippers mm. into the eyes. And you're seeing it kind of from her view, basically. Uh, not directly yeah. up, but as though her head was floating maybe a foot in the oh, air. Right. And the hedge clippers come down and then he snips them. He, he you know, brings them closed. Yeah. And then when you actually see her eyes, that's a that's good body horror right there. I mean, it's really well done. I agree. Yeah, no, I think I think uh he's got the basics mm -hmm. down. Um the shock factor and and the inventive kills. Yeah. They don't suffer at all in this movie. Yeah, and I like the leather strap as well. It's a good fun mm -hmm. death. Yeah, well that just that idea that idea of like you know, really thinking about what's an, what's another way we could do mm -hmm. this and like have it, you know, just turning turning it into yeah. his head is crushed. It's great. But then you... I mean, not not in reality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's within the confines of a fictional yeah. movie. Narratively and um, in practicality, I think you, you start to get some of the limitations of Danny Steinman because in the mm -hmm. next scene... That's what it's his autobiography. Yeah, exactly. Story. The limitations of Danny Stein. <laughs> He's dead, you know. <laughs> Stop making me feel bad about about taking this low idea fruit. But uh, narratively, <laughs> Grandpa sends Reggie. Don't you feel shit now? He's no, he's dead. No, I feel just fine. He signed yeah. off on this. Well, uh, but narratively. Grandpa's going to send Reggie with Tommy, oh. who just who just committed an act of violence against another person in the house. And then Danny Steinman yeah. is going to show them driving the truck. And the music is not going to match what's going on narratively. We have very exciting music with just a truck mm -hmm. driving down the road. And in addition, I think he repeats two shots. He repeats Equally, yeah, a shot absolutely. twice, rather. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the, both in, in world and uh, off screen, a lot of strange yes. choices. And it doesn't get any better once we meet Reggie. It Brown. really doesn't. And you know what I feel the worst about? I actually think he's quite good as an actor. It's not easy to bring up tears as you're getting killed on a, sh on a shitter. I wouldn't think. Okay. I'm going to give him all credit. <laughs> I wouldn't think. Yeah, that's the point. You'd never be in that exactly. situation. Even in a film. 
Even as an actor in a film, you wouldn't be you in that shouldn't situation be. often. No. Well, I mean, he looks like a Michael Jackson buddy double. He really thriller. does. I mean, like, to, to a T. It's almost like you, you asked a, a racist to draw a black person. Mm -hmm. And this is what he did. <laughs> <laughs> right. The thing is, though, it's... it's it's he's so the, the, I have conflicting feelings about this okay. because I don't know if it's just virulent racism because there's so many racist stereotypes stacked one on top of the other you almost lose sense of the intention and you and some of them some of them are ra stereotypes about other Yes, exactly. Races. The stereotype of the brother is going to complain about the stereotype of Mexican enchiladas. Right, yeah. exactly. So at, at, at some point you're just like it's like is this too confusing to be racist? <laughs> it's too muddled to be racist. Yeah. I mean this is how this is this was always George Lucas's out wasn't right. it that, like you know Watto isn't specifically uh, um, Jewish and, you know, t tell me what accent the Trade Federation is supposed to be. <laughs> and he's just like, well, when you put it like that, I, I, I really can't. Yes, I, just yes. know in, I just know in my bones that this is racist. <laughs> and it doesn't help that the character, when his girlfriend is I'm not poking fun at him, but, uh, you know, kind of poking him. Right? Not not physically, but she's shaking the shit shack. Yes. And, and at a certain point, he's had enough and he's going to result. He's going to resort to physical violence. He wants to beat her up. That's not a good look either. So. By the way, that's my least favorite burger chain. It's a shit shack. <laughs> So, like you said, the stack. You don't want to get a you don't want to get a chocolate frosted from that. I don't. Yeah, or a char burger. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you said, the stacking on top of the stacking on top of the stacking is it becomes a bit much. Well, right down to the fact that they seem to have they seem to have uh, they seem to have some prototype of DoorDash because they have every kind of yes. food you could possibly want. Right. From any cuisine, they got pizza. They got enchiladas. <laughs> what else? What else? They, they don't they have? They uh, have something else. There's at least what two they... more things, I think. Yeah. And why do they? Like, what's the... what's the deal? <laughs> I don't. Well, I, I don't, I don't like... imagine this woman tolerating living with him in the van. But he was like, uh, "Baby, what do you want? What do you want to eat tonight?" Yeah. He's just like, "Ah, just everything." Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way that could have happened. Yes. No, you can't right. think back from that any other way. And in the town they're in, how far apart are these places, I imagine? Why are they living in a trailer? Yeah, no, in the van, right. But the, are they on a... But they're, are they on a... This is, I don't know if they're on a campsite or not. No, it, see, it doesn't seem like it, because they're next to... But... I don't know, there's some building next to the shithouse. What's shit that shithouse for, then? Don't I, just for the is van dwellers, stop, like a rest stop, because it's a real like outhouse. It's not like yeah, a gas station bathroom. I know. Oh, and we're <laughs> back in the shitter as well. Like why? We we had two of two shit scenes in in part three, right? 
Now we've got a guy doing doo-wop on the toilet. Mm-hmm. Now, also on top of, like, you know, with the stacking, we're also going to have Junior come back. Mm-hmm. And with his, whatever whatever's going on with his mental capacity. Right. Unclear. Is unclear. Unspecified mental illness number 735. <laughs> yeah, unspecified mental illness. He's going to come in so hot and heavy that I almost say, okay, go ahead and go ahead, Tommy. It, you're now is the moment where you can beat him up. Go. But tonally, suppose, it's all pitched very weird. All of this. Yeah. Well, well, this is the thing. Like, theor- like I get in theory that we're supposed to think Tommy is what the last movie told us he was, that he's mm-hmm. going to blossom into a serial killer. But that's one of the two possibilities that is presented to us. It could also be Jason's back from the grave. Mm-hmm. And it once again, the third option is what we go with. <laughs> but it wasn't an option that was on the table. Right. Fasc- I mean, it's it's kind of fascinating in storytelling, ter- storytelling terms. It's, it's bluffs within bluffs. Yeah, right. Meta bluffs. <laughs> because we've Meta got the bluffs. <laughs> Because we've got two, basically the film, the film is structured around two narrative possibilities that are a mystery until we're told it's a third that we could mm-hmm. have never considered. Right. Because why would we? Not many other films like this. No, no, not at all. <laughs> it doesn't help as well. Like, you know, we're watching people shit and the film is as slow as shit. Yeah. At this point, like it really goes on a long time. No, yeah, in this moment, we're <laughs> at a certain point. You think I would like to get back to the to the halfway house? I can't yeah. believe I'm saying this, but <laughs> can we get back to the halfway house? <laughs> and it's funny I'm too with these guys because when we get back to the halfway house. It's like the movie remembers it should have introduced these characters to us. Like, we're finally getting to know the characters. Well, like pa- like Pam, uh-huh. the, the fine, you know, she's she's going to be our final girl. So, and, and we barely met her mm-hmm. at this point. <laughs> so, all, yeah, it's... All I can think, of, like, because we go back to the house and, and uh, Jake, who does Jake like? I don't remember. Uh, w- w- so Jake is the stutterer, but it also Jake? what I was gonna right. say was that the movie seems as though Jake has to be in this halfway house because he has a stutter, uh, right? <laughs> Which is just like you know, just like the kid in Cuckoo's Nest, yeah, right? The other you know, pantheon of great mental health depictions, and they do a really strange thing between the death of the brother and the girlfriend. And Tommy beats up uh, Junior. So they all three are our final girl, Tommy and Reggie, I think, get back in the truck and go back to the halfway house. But when they come back into the house, all of a sudden Tommy's missing somehow. Well, he ran off, didn't he? Other because then he'd have to account for. Is there a shot of him running off? I don't remember one. This is all. This is all my. Okay. This is all in- inference, but I mean, I think that there's a line to the effect of uh, uh, Tommy, you know, we ran away. I just remember something. somebody saying, where's Tommy? And I thought, 
yeah, where is he? He came back in the truck with he's you. There. He's there. He's he's at an after hours joint with with Ted and Paul. Right. All all the all the people missing from previous movies. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and you know the the Reggie's brother. The final, the you know that he obviously gets the kill on the toilet. Yeah, the, with the glory hole stake impalement. Um, <laughs> and again, it's going back to part three. It's sort of like there's four black people in the film. Two of them die in one scene. Yeah, right. So you know, it's I, it's not perfectly... a it's not a huge triumphant score for representation. No, and you know, I'm I I go back and forth on the on the black people dying first mm-hmm. principle. But and certainly it's not writ large over this series necessarily, but no. when they when they choose to introduce black characters, they do tend to kill them off on I mean Reggie lives very quickly. Yeah. Well so, his granddad doesn't. No, very much not. You couldn't kill Reggie though. That'd be tough. You think this film, you That'd think this be film tough will to go take. as far as killing Reggie? Well, Danny Steinman. It'd be like it'd be like Night of Look the Living Dead. Face. It'd be like it'd be like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. I suppose it's like it all, you know, everything works out fine, and then he just gets shot in the head randomly by a oh, sheriff man. in the previous scene who thought well, he was a possum. Listen, we're about to get to some heavy killing, so why don't we take a last break and we'll come back? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> back to. Back to the killing right after these messages. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound. But as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target! Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target! That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. And we're back. Finishing up with Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. <laughs> I guess most fans really hate this one. They consider it yeah. quite the misstep, don't they? Yeah, and as you said in the ranking episode, I think I think execution is the problem, mm-hmm. not the conceit. Yeah. I I really I gravitate I gravitate towards this as a completely reasonable way to go. Yeah. Something different to do. Mm-hmm. And absolutely I don't know if commendable is the right word, but <laughs> No, definitely not. It's a viable but viable, yes, thank you. Yes. It's not commendable, no. No one's getting commended for anything they did in relation to this film. <laughs> 
Well, I my next note is like suddenly we have a Jake and Robin story. So we're gonna finally oh. care about whether or not these two can get oh, together. Yeah. The the stutterer and the the girl that doesn't realize that he likes her. That's yeah, what I mean. You know, this movie is it's you know, it's introducing things way too late. It's you know, it's it takes odd turns that don't work. It's it's true. I, it's kind of interesting. Again, like making this home co-ed means that sexual rejection and partner swapping can still be part of the formula. <laughs> yes. With the last place you really should be having that is in a you know transitional home for children. Yeah, and they're gonna pull with Matt what they do with Mom in the last movie. Like he's gonna be gone for a while, and you mm. start thinking. Where the fuck is this guy? Because fucking all kinds of shit is breaking loose in this halfway house of yours that you said was a nice place. Yeah. We'll find out later it's because he's killed, but... Sure. Uh, they're watching Place in the Sun on, on TV. Right. Montgomery Cliff movie, and um, where he's a scene where he's contemplating killing his pregnant Shelley Winters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they raided the Paramount Locker. <laughs> right yeah makes, makes sense thematically absolutely what doesn't make sense is the the why only when you open the door of her bedroom why her loud music can't be heard until you open the door like mm-hmm. it, it can't she's clearly soundproof that room <laughs> but you don't see it when you go into the room no but you open the door and it comes blaring out yeah and yeah, and before this is the you know, before these scenes is the uh, where Ethel gets face in the stew. Yeah, right. And we do a version of the banana kill, but with a crushed tomato. Tomato, and we yeah. get we get Junior beheaded. That's a that's a good kill. Junior beheaded as well. Mm-hmm. Junior beheaded, uh, and but again, you know, as 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 you said, I think I don't know if you said it off mic or <laughs> I don't I don't know anymore, but. Uh, it's, it comes as a relief. No, yeah, I did say that off mic. I was saying. Okay, yeah. I was saying. I was. Uh, I read my notes and I said Junior deserved his death, and I thought, oh, that was mean. And then I remembered what he was no. doing at the time no, of his right. death, and I it's thought, because, no, I'm absolutely it comes, right. It's it comes as a relief. You don't want to see him riding around like that. Any yeah. Longer. And he's kind of hard to take throughout the whole movie. It's it's such a broad performance. It doesn't match yeah. anything else. Even his mom. It doesn't even match Mama's bra performance. <laughs> yeah, there's not even internal consistency yeah. in their in their yeah. uh, mini movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, Robin gets a tits out quickly. Man, than you, you I got lots of notes to. on this. I I thought this this is where our director. I thought this is where I would speak up as an actor, you know? There's so much focus on Robin's nipples as she mm-hmm. gets into that bed. Mm-hmm. I would I would lodge a complaint if I was her. Yeah. And again, it's not breaking news for this franchise, but it just feels like more of a necessity. Like, we gotta yeah. get this. Yeah. We gotta get this shot. But you know? I, it's, you know, I almost, I almost see Danny Steinman behind the camera. Just like, you know, like a real creep. Don't, don't care for those noises at all. <laughs> please, please don't do that ever again. I'll try to refrain. <laughs> I hear that in my nightmares. 
you got closer to the mic when you did it as well, which is, <laughs> is a really disconcerting part of it. But you know I'm right. Oh, I, I absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, it again, it just it happens so abruptly and it's so unmotivated. Yeah. Uh, at least you know previous Friday Thirteenth movies pretend that there's some kind of plot reason why it should be happening, but <laughs> apparently. Steinman doesn't need that kind of subterfuge. Right. In movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we get into uh, I don't know what to call it. Is it body popping, mime work? What is what is she I, doing? I put I put Vi is popping and locking. Popping and locking. Yeah. And I assume she's doing it for real. They didn't. No. Yeah. You know, alter altering the film or anything. Mm-hmm. To, okay. Well, I mean, good for her, but what's this got to do with our movie? Nothing. Absolutely. Nothing. Because we don't get to know that character at all. No, that's true. The only thing we found um, out in the behind the scenes in the Crystal Lake memories is that she was supposed to die via vagina stabbing. Oh, thank And they went, the, they went a different direction. Good. <laughs> Dodged a bullet there. I'll say. <laughs> and then some, again, I not get a sense that every, everyone knows that they're, the, whether they're the killer or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Because yeah, totally. Pam is really playing it like she's the killer. I wrote down, Pam definitely seems like a killer. <laughs> and I wonder whether, you know, sometimes you hear that on when it's a murder mystery, you don't tell the actors and you say... You know, you, you tell them you could be the murderer. You might be the murderer, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, this whole, like, TV series with, like, eight episodes where someone who's not the murderer is acting like a psychopath for no reason. <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah. is, this, is yeah. what this is what it feels like, where you're just, like, you, he's like, shit. You know, pe people who come back from murder mysteries, like, I really thought I was the murderer, and mm -hmm. I really wouldn't have played those scenes that way if I, if I, right. if I knew I wasn't. <laughs> But it's at this moment where I, because I wrote my neck, after she seems like she's a killer, I wrote, we finally see, scare quotes, Jason mm -hmm. for the first time in his new mask. And I thought, I did think, wow, they really waited a long time for us to see that guy in the mask. I mean, they, they're going to yeah. take it down to the last 20, 20, what up, 20, 25 minutes. Well, so what are we supposed to be thinking now? J Jason's come back from the dead. I would assume so. Yeah. Okay. And that's that seems like cruel trick to play on the audience this late in the movie mm -hmm. to think that they're actually getting the Jason movie that they wanted to see. Not only that, but the guy who played him said, "I just played him like Jason." That's what the audience wanted. <laughs> De facto Jason. Yeah. Wow. Because the guy who played Roy, by the way, wasn't doing this work. No. no not none of the work behind the mask. And Roy, here's another looky-likey for you. Roy looks like uh, Kojak's brother. <laughs> no, he's Telly Savalas' brother who played Ko one of Kojak's uh, underlings. Stavros? Was that his name? Oh, I won't remember names. I just remember Kojak. He looks Kojak. like Stavros from Kojak. That's who great. Who was Telus brother. I knew what you meant. And that this is the thing. Like, the clues are there if you wish to see them. But you, you but the mm -hmm. movie's telling you that this is that Jason's back from the dead. So you're not looking for them. Like, for instance, 
they found the medic dead in the ambulance. So yeah, right. He, you know, he's got. <laughs> you know, if you go through the the if you do the sleuths thing, it's like, well, he's got access. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but we're not thinking about that because we don't know it's a murder mystery. No, oh, yeah. And now we think it's a Jason movie. <laughs> they they kind of write themselves into a corner because. Well, firstly, the hockey mask, but also he knows Jason's M.O. because he throws a body through the window. and Right, like, well, yes. That, that is so Jason. That is very so, Jason. That's what I wrote. Using corpses as a way of entering a house. <laughs> um, so, yes. And then Pam sort of becomes our final girl. Yeah, but while she's abusing Reggie, she's like, she's kind of shaking him, telling him right. to get up. <laughs> yeah. Reggie saves the day, as Tommy did. With the bulldozer? Not as, not as cleverly, but... Uh, the bulldozer remind me... Definitely not using intelligence. No, yeah. The, the, bull, the bulldozer the reminded me of a fish called Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> That's what... Or, or I, even I, better, it's, it was more like that Austin Powers moment. Like, mm-hmm. no! Yeah. <laughs> um... And then they go back in the bar, and they're like, we're really trying to recapture the spirit of Parker yeah. here. Because, you know, Jason loves his barns. He does like barns. Chainsaws again, which goes back to part Correct. two. But this is more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two, where they have a sword fight with the Yes, chainsaws. right. Because uh, he's so not... That's, the, this that's ja- the new part. This Jason, even though it's not Jason, is not flailing about falling over furniture trying to get away from it. He's just no. battling it like he's Errol Flynn. Right, exactly. Yeah. And Reggie's cheering from behind the hay. Yes. Um so again it makes it feel more like a Jason fan film than than a legitimate. Did we are, uh is the barn after all the running up and down in the forest though? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was funny that Reggie immediately <laughs> runs away from Pam while mm-hmm. saying, Pam, Pam, where are you? And at least go back in the other direction. Where you left yeah. her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, let me ask you this, because uh, oh, no. what's her name? Melanie Kinnaman, the, the woman that plays Pam. She gave mm-hmm. an awful lot of play in the behind the scenes of her pink sweater that appears and disappears during that chase in the forest. Yeah. Do you notice that when you watched it? No. Yeah, me neither. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it, it's... There's there's enough distractions, right? Yeah. It's, 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 you don't even really know what is happening in the movie, except that it might it, Jason might be back from the dead. I mean, that's the best. That's the right. the most likely explanation for what's going on. Yeah, and I think but it's... we also know. Oh, have we found out that? Oh, yeah. So when we see Tommy and Jason together, we know it's not Tommy pretending to be Jason. Yeah. Right. So that eliminates that possibility. I thought it was funny, too, in that moment, because it's kind of like the previous girl, the Showtime girl. Mm -hmm. Because Pam is, I don't know if she's exactly virginal, but she's our our final girl. She's the one who's not like anybody else. Right. And... So she hasn't is had. Is she a... having a relationship with Fedora, or did I, I Mandela affect that from? No, I think I think they are. Okay. God, yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christmas. Um, <laughs> There's a lot going these, on in this institution. 
Why can't people who run these places keep their hands off each other? But I thought it was funny that our final girl, who's the girl that, you know, no sex, no drugs, like all of that stuff, but then it's mm. raining, so you can kind of see her tits in the wet t-shirt. Right. But in the behind the scenes, it's her that's saying... It wasn't raining. It that... was just Danny Steinman threw a bucket of water at her. <laughs> that's true, yeah. But it was her that was saying, thank God for that wet t-shirt, because I looked great. <laughs> <laughs> it was like all she cared about. Well, you know. I thought that was very funny. Hey, yeah, you know, you want you, you, these things they recorded for posterity. <laughs> In the, anyway, back at the barn, I wrote it's down. It's a rematch. That, it's Tommy versus Jason yeah. rematch. I said, Except... Tommy gets <laughs> slashed while remembering the past. Yeah, it's what this movie's been heading for to all along except that's not what's going on yeah right <laughs> exactly <laughs> which is this movie in a nutshell <laughs> turns out it's all a lie the pen knife as well we saw again we continued that convention if anything appears on screen for more than two seconds it's gonna it's important so we've seen him with the pen knife <laughs> uh i really like the jump scare of looking over the balcony of the barn and i really not, like that not too jason not jason appearing yeah it's one of the true like really great moments in the movie it's well done yeah. it's really well done yeah if only it were jason uh <laughs> See, th this is the thing that, that, that gets me, you know, because you, you were saying that the actor was just like, oh, I assume I'm Jason, I'm going to play it that yeah. way. Uh, but uh, like at what point did they introduce the idea that the killer is wearing a Jason face mask underneath the hockey mask? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because that was... Because you have to account for his warped, burnt kind of... Right. Which you don't see because he's got a hockey mask on, but it can't. It has to look like there's a bald guy under there. Right. They don't account for it until he falls on the spikes. Right. And so there's a mask underneath the mask. There's two. He's wearing two, two masks. masks. Right. On top of each other, which he's a really belt and suspenders guy. <laughs> yes. Because when people see a guy with a knife and a hockey mask, they can go, "Oh, that's Jason." I mean, <laughs> I know he's supposed to be dead, but. He's got form. <laughs> and of course, you know, the, 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 just the moment that underlines the whodunit backfiring is when when you see his face revealed through the 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 second mask, the, yes. the inner mask. You're like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and that's not that's it's not, not what you like, want no, for your whodunit. You want you yeah. want the gasp of him? Yeah, and it has to, and what you know, it has to be. But you know what's I mean, funny is you it do has kind... to be explained to you anyway. But also, who he is and who he was in the film also has to be explained to you. Yeah, but what's funny is you kind of you do get the gasp moment, not for who he is, but for who he isn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. To what extent that does work, I'm not sure. Obviously, the fans did not like it, but. Yeah. But for me, the first time Mr. I Jones, saw it, the carnival owner. Right. For me, the first time I saw it, I went, "Whoa, not Jason." You know. Yeah. Well, the the movie, you know, every movie up until this point, you think they're just being coy with the fact that it's mm -hmm. that Jason's come back from the dead. They want to keep the mystery alive as long as possible, but you've 
but it's the you know it's the uh it's the fake out isn't it it's, it's, yeah there's another murder mystery conventions where you reveal the wrong killer before you reveal the killer and in revealing the wrong killer you reveal who the killer actually is because of their reaction to it mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we do here right in a way kind of in the character it's a bit of a stretch i realized realize as i was saying it's a bit of a stretch but <laughs> a bit we're playing with that trope a little <laughs> we've still got time for one more sexy nurse sure movie's not over director has his priorities we're in the hospital sexy nurse and it feels like we're kind of riffing off the end of four we have so endings is that in nurse kind scowling at pam because she has a black child Oh, There's I no hope other not. reason to scowl at her. <laughs> That's not a reason either, Tom. I'm not saying it is a reason. I'm just saying in 1984, <laughs> okay. that might be the like, the only explanation. <laughs> right. It feels like something the movie would want to comment on at some point. <laughs> but they don't. Uh, they, have, they have to get to the last scare. The broken window and the... So... Well, we we we've got to the cop has got to tell us, you know, that the movie, also first that the movie was that this is about. So there's a lot of reveals here. What the first that this is a movie about a copycat killer. Roy is Billy's father. Mm -hmm. We were told he was an orphan, so it doesn't jibe with that. Yeah, it's kind and, of the cop, the sheriff, kind of talks around it of. Yeah. I guess he just wanted to be close to his son, which he he knew was here. Who he abandoned. Who he abandoned and uh, didn't ever so tell Jesse, him. Jesse, so Jesse doesn't want to be close Didn't to tell him. him he ever wanted to be in his life, but was somehow near his life. Yeah. I mean, I know I, it's hard to raise a child on a single income, but it's not. <laughs> it doesn't have a terrible, like it's not a, you know. You can do it. It's probably more than minimum wage. Right. You know what's so, my big takeaway, though? What? Tommy's removing evidence from a crime scene. <laughs> yes, well, absolutely. He's got yeah. a mask and a knife. Yeah, we, we, we never get, yeah, we never get in, we never get a satisfactory explanation for that. It's like the Halloween reboot. Yeah, right. It's, it's like, how are you going to get the mask back into Michael's hands and... There's not a really satisfactory information for it. <laughs> Got it from the DA. Was that what they said? Something like yeah, that? something like that. Uh, uh, but this is Roy's cover-up is basically the movie's cover-up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Because he's imitating Jason to hide his own culpability. Right. The movie is like, don't he blame us. Roy to did think it. He's Jason. <laughs> everyone in the audience wants it to be Jason. Yes. And both. He dies, and the audience don't get what they want. <laughs> so I, I guess, like in the end, that like I like that the whodunit quality of the originals back after laying dormant for you know mm -hmm. four movies. But you can't exclude the audience. Part of the pleasure no, of whodunit yeah. is the audience are in on the game. They're they're playing it like a game of Clue. I so also if you exclude the audience from that equation. You haven't got a who done it. Well, that's You've got a who is it? That's certainly a misstep. <laughs> but I also think that there is something within the uh, haphazard nature, the the failings of Steinman as a director, and the kind mm. of sleaziness 
Yep. That's that's the word that is... everyone on set mutually agreed to use. In yeah, to yeah, seven, exactly. Which makes me think they had that they started with a word that was much worse and then worked pared down, down to that. Just, just like sleazy. Yeah, legally we won't be in trouble if we say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly. <laughs> but I think you know I think there's something funny, you know, not charming, but there's something in that, you know. To me, it's like. These movies, something there. these yeah. movies had a reputation that they didn't earn. And then Danny Steinman said, well, let me give you what you thought you were seeing all along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That is so true. Yeah. He was, he was like, you think this is trash? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'll make you some trash. I'll do like Uncle Buck cooking garbage trash. For yeah, you. baby. That is the... Uh, is the best possible explanation, explanation for right? Movie, for yeah. This movie. That is, yeah. As exactly like yeah, maybe that was it. He as a director of exploitation of porn, he took offense, right? At the Friday the Thirteenth movies being called that, it's like, and then proceed. When let me show you how job, it's done. Hold my beer. Like, let me let, <laughs> let me show you how you make the movie that Gene Siskel thinks you've made. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's Incredible. not a good movie, but there's a lot to to enjoy. I think. Well, we've got this. We've got, and so Tommy becomes Jason. Mm-hmm. So the ending of this movie makes good on the promise of the last film's ending. Yes. Which means they're the same ending. Which means. And don't forget, this is the middle part of a mini trilogy. <laughs> not easy to do the middle parts of trilogies. <laughs> oh that was your that was the defense okay <laughs> and then jason so jason disappears the, the hallucination of jason disappears which is yeah, almost conf- kind of into his conf- body <laughs> it's just a confirmation jason's really dead but tommy is now the killer yeah which i mean we've spent a whole movie to get to exactly the same point we're at at the end of the last movie. Sure. But now that we've found ourselves back here, this, again, would seem to be the way to go on. Right. However, the next movie does exactly the opposite. No. Because Tommy's not a psycho anymore. We're going to reel it back. (laughs) And Jason's not really dead. Yeah. So it's just very interesting. I'll say. How these these movies work how they kind of contradict each other. But after the backlash of this movie, I, th- you know, you would have had a mandate to bring Jason back in the next movie. It, and it, which is exactly the same. And I'm we'll probably talk about this when we cover the movie is Halloween three. Yeah. You right. Know? Right. It's like the next Halloween movie can't be a, another anthology movie. It has to be, you got to bring uh, him back. You got to bring Michael Myers back. Sure. And it's, I think it's the same. It suffered from the same kind of fan response, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, which in certainly, I think in both, in both Halloween four and part six, they they, you they know, come back gangbusters. Some, some of the best movies yeah. in the series, you know, totally. So they've indicated in their choice, but part of you wants to dares to wonder <laughs> how you could have gone. You know, if you'd have gone in a different direction, mm-hmm. leading again, directly like, from this. Yeah, it's like, again, would they have? 
would they have found, would they have prevaricated for another movie and gone back and forth on Tommy? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you end up in exactly the same space. I don't know. Talk about big swings. If you went from Jason Voorhees to Tommy Jarvis, you know, the, like if that was the name and then you, and then you, th- you, you break it out into kind of two halves. Well, do you, did you like Jason as the killer or did you like Tommy as the killer? You know, you could argue though, you know, get mm. four movies of Jason and four movies of Jarvis. Well, th- three movies of Jason. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, forgot that's, about that's, mom. That's the other thing is there is, that's the other thing that no one wants to admit. Acknowledge. Yeah. There is precedent for changing your serial killer mid-series. Right. You know? This this series did it... Uh, Almost it, twice. It, yeah. And it, and then it also shows if handled correctly, it can work. Yeah. So, again, I don't think... I think the, the received wisdom about this movie is is inaccurate. I don't think it's the it's the choice they the narrative choice they made. It's their inability it, to yeah. end. Yeah, I think you're right. That that choice. All right. Well uh credit check. Well I gotta talk about Debbie Sue Voorhees. Okay. Who uh, managed to snag audition an audition based on the fact she had the same last name as, as the of course. As serial killer in the movie. That is literally <laughs> yeah. how she got the audition. And I found that out. Well, that and memory. her big tits. I fu- yeah, I found that out on uh, Crystal Crystal Lake Memories. Yeah. But you know what? I knew. <laughs> I knew it was true. In my heart, I knew. Yeah, all I along. knew that. I knew that, that it wasn't a coincidence that she was called Voice. No, of course not. Stunt coordinator Richard Warlock. Well, we know him. Well, this is the thing, but why Richard? I was thinking, does he, does Dick Warlock not want anyone to know he's moonlighting? <laughs> From one series to the other? Yeah. Does, it's, it's like he has to go back to the Halloween set. It's like, where have you been the last couple of days? No. Don't one. worry about it. Yeah. My it's mom was like sick. Been, been working on a rival franchise or anything. <laughs> animals provided by Grisco's Animals, Miller Manufacturing. I really hope those aren't part of the same credit. I really hope those are two separate companies. Did you say Crisco? Grisco's Animals Miller Manufacturing. Oh man! So that's either that's either a place where they grind up the animals in <laughs> yes. bread, or it's just two perfectly functional businesses. Have you had any of our chicken bread? Right. Is it so? Who is it? Joe? It was. Is it Joey? Joey is the kid who gets killed, right? Mm. He gets the axe to the back. Is it Joey or yes. Billy? No, I think it's Joey. It's Joey. So he doubles with a a male nurse in the hospital scene. Oh That's no! Wait. Important. He's Bill. Oh, it's it's the it's the boyfriend. It's the the axe to the head. With with surprised lady, he's Billy and the oh, male okay. nurse. Right, yeah. So, so once he once he died, once he was well, he was like arrested and taken away. They had him double for a, a male nurse. That's funny. He's the most important character in the movie. If well, no, this is a different. Axe... You're talking about two different people. So Joey, yeah, just played Joey. But 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 Billy Bob De Simone is Billy who killed Joey, right? 
No, he's the. Oh, okay. He's the uh, the guy doing the cocaine. All right, forget it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Anything else, or was that the last one? So wait, Billy slash male nurse is his cred is is the same person? Yes. What? Why? Why? I don't know. They, what, is is it just like such a crazy idea in nineteen eighty five <laughs> that a nurse could be male that they have to spell it out <laughs> to the idiots? <laughs> All right, yeah, that's it. What a good one to end on. Clut. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Clutching at straws. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, these are great horror. These are great horror movies. Great sequels. Terrible credits. Yeah, there's not a lot. And you think there would be, right? You feel like there's a lot going I mean, on behind the scenes, but yeah, but, I guess. But they are, you know, early, you know, eighties animals into bread. There's nothing right. going on. <laughs> you know, eighties are still. We're we're not at the twenty minute worth of credits like we are today i don't need to be to be 20 minutes i just need that that, that five minutes to be meaty okay. and these are not very meaty write a letter to the past <laughs> exactly dear paramount <laughs> right. that's a great what a great use of my time machine <laughs> i was just looking for the right reason to use it <laughs> Now that I've invented it, I couldn't find I couldn't find anything to use it for. <laughs> yeah. I could write a letter to, to <laughs> <the> set <laughs> of Friday the thirteenth. You slap a mosquito while you're back there, and everything falls to shit in the in the present. But you've got your bloated credits, your meaty that explain, credits. That explains why the timeline is so out of control in this series. Right. Time travel must have been involved. Oh man. All right. Anything left for you? No, that's it. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, there's nothing left. My last note didn't make any sense. <laughs> when you get to that point, you go, you go, you, you're done. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of Friday the 13th, The New Beginning? Yay or nay, you're going to have to find us and let us know. So uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or uh, nowhere else. Uh, send an email to everything sequel at gmail.com for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Michael Schantz here. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. When you hear us next week, we'll be talking my favorite in the series Friday the 13th, Part 6. Jason Lives. Mm. I'll say. Or Jason Lives. <laughs> or Jason Lives. I use context clues oh, to say it correctly. <laughs> Context what? Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. What are them nuts up to now? <laughs> it's good to see that Reggie, having lived among those patients for so long, is now more sensitive to their plights. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll be back. <laughs>